0: Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to 15 Minutes with Lincoln, a screenwriting podcast. I'm one of your two hosts, Timothy Robert Dunn, a screenwriter in Los Angeles.
1: And I am your other host, Abraham Lincoln, also a screenwriter here in Los Angeles. And you
0: are joining us today for the final episode of this fair podcast. Now, this started out as a podcast about history and politics, featuring the perspectives of myself a uh, common man, and those of uh, Abraham Lincoln, the return spirit of one of our great presidents. Uh, we got magically intertwined when I went and toured the uh, Lincoln home in Springfield, Illinois, at the start of the 2016 election, and we've been doing this podcast for six years, 300 episodes. Abe, it all,
1: I was about to tear up there for a it all got us here, buddy. How are you feeling tonight? I'm feeling terrific as I look out at this amazing room filled with Mm -hmm. just incredibly talented actors and producers. I am just so thrilled. It feels like this is the culmination of all of our hard work, all of the times we felt like making an excuse, but instead we made content. Made content, no
0: excuses. Every week. Um... If you are for some reason just joining uh, and listening to the very last podcast, or maybe you haven't listened in like two years, I mean, good luck. Good luck to you. This is going to be tough. This is going to be a tough one for you. Uh, Basically, what's happened is Abe and I have gotten very, very successful uh, out here in Hollywood as screenwriters, and you are joining us. Uh, Our last episode here is a table read for um, our screenplay that we've been writing
1: this whole time. So, you're not going to hear the whole screenplay. No. We don't want to give it away because we want you to make <laughs> sure you watch this film. Don't it, steal it! Yeah, don't steal it. Yeah. When it debuts on the FX app. hmm But we did want to give you a little sneak peek because we've been talking about this screenplay for a long time, so we actually wrote it and want to show some key scenes to our listeners.
0: That's right. So, we're going to do some scenes with some uh, old friends of the show. And then um, in between those scenes, Abe and I are going to uh, kind of, uh, you know, talk to each other about how they went and what we thought went well and, you know, what can maybe be improved in future drafts. <laughs> Surprise, uh, there's going to be no improvements. It's perfect. But here's one thing you should know. This room has kind of really strange acoustics where, because we're all in the same room talking, but it sounds a little bit when people are seated in different areas Like it was cobbled together from several different Zoom sessions or like people recorded lines on their iPhones and put their iPhones too close to their mouths. We don't know why that is. It's just a weird thing about this room. But yeah, we're all in this room here together reading this as one.
1: And... The actors are all on board with this. They understand that this is what we're doing. We're we're here to do a podcast episode first, the table read kind of second. Yep. They're going to have to wait around. They're going to get snacks while we we take some breaks throughout the day, to, you know, a couple of them to to talk about how the script is going and keep our listeners updated. And also they understand that they'll be recorded, they'll be edited together. So mm-hmm. they they um they understand that they had a lot of questions, I guess. More than I expected, right? But like, why are
0: you doing this this way? This seems like a waste of
1: time. Stuff like that. We're not getting paid extra for any of this, right?
0: Why did you just order three medium pizzas? Yeah. Um, whoa, 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 Abe! I'm sorry. I don't mean to. I don't mean to interrupt things or, or, you know, hold off on the festivity. Uh, Lisa, Lisa just arrived. Yeah, Lisa arrived. She actually made it. Um, folks, Lisa, um I was uh living with Lisa when this uh podcast started, uh very much in love, but then Abe kissed her. Um okay. and it kind of sent you know, started off a, a a chain of events in my life that led me here, but she's she's back. She's here in LA and she's at my reading.
1: Abe, do you mind? Would you excuse me for a second? I'm gonna go talk to her. Sure thing, yes. So listeners, uh, Timothy's going to go talk to Lisa. This is why we wanted to record live so you could hear these live reactions to the room and we could also give you kind of like a feeling as if you were here as well. For the record, I did not kiss Lisa. Lisa kissed me and their relationship was falling apart because Tim kept forgetting to do things like bring home the LaCroix or get the ground turkey for the chili that they were making. It was just like a whole lot of groceries that he just kept forgetting and it really was putting a strain on the relationship and I think Lisa was just stressed and i was obviously in a new century and away from my wife and i you know it just kind of happened but we're gonna let bygones guys be guy guns. i i'm not gonna let any of this get in the way i'm he, this is a celebration today i think this is a culmination of all of our hard work and i just want tim and i to to go off on a good foot so don't worry listeners i'm not going to let that uh fester that's not going to be a thing you have to worry about today it's, it's just going to be all fun and just podcast today Wow. I think he's, I think he's striking out because she's engaged in a conversation with two other people and Tim's just kind of standing there. He's got his hands in his pockets and he's nodding as if he's part of the conversation, but he's not at all being engaged. They are definitely talking about something inside of them. And now, yeah, he's opened his mouth to try to talk, but he's not, um, yeah, he's not going to get involved. Okay. All right. And he's coming back. All right, he's coming back. He turned around. Oh, Lisa spotted him. Lisa just said, "Oh, hey, Tim." And uh, okay, now they're talking, I guess. Lisa. Hey, Tim. You came.
2: Yeah.
0: This uh, I'm on. I'm so honored. I you got all my um, emails and texts and Facebook messages and TikToks and um. um yeah. Yeah. Th- wow.
2: Yeah it it was uh, it was a lot. Sure. Yeah. But uh. But yeah. No, I'm happy to be here. I appreciate. and You know. Always love uh an opportunity to connect with uh with fellow artists and and see what the community's up to.
0: Yeah, me, me fellow artists. That's me. Yeah. I'm a screenwriter now.
2: Is it scre- this this is like the first thing that you've completed though? I suppose so. Yeah, uh, it doesn't mean you're not a screenwriter. It's just a
0: no. I th- I think by the nature that I wrote a screenplay, I'm a screenwriter.
2: Yeah. So great.
0: Um, thank Good. you so much for being here. I here's a script. You're actually gonna read a, a part, a very cool part called the Whisper. Oh. In it, I know, I know you weren't expecting to. I just uh, when I was writing it, your voice was in my head the whole time.
2: For this part.
0: For this part, yeah.
2: Oh. Oh, okay. Uh. Yeah. Yeah, I guess in all the messages and the TikToks and stuff I w- would have thought you would have mentioned that, but that's fine. That's on um, me. That's my bad. You're playing a
0: okay. uh, I think it's a strong um cool unique feminist voice who is a sexy spy lady who shoots um like lasers out of her wrists.
2: <laughs> okay. All right.
0: Yeah. Um and hey, um one other thing.
2: Oh, Tim. No, I, if whatever. Okay.
3: What did you, sorry, what did
2: It's just that you started and you started putting on like a sexy voice, like the sexy guy voice. And it sounded like maybe you were about to ask me out again or something.
0: I was not going to do that.
2: Okay, good. What were you going to say? I'm sorry I interrupted. My bad. That's, I'm so sorry. That was on me.
0: Everybody gets one slice of pizza um, in between breaks, but you can have two if you want.
2: Oh. But okay. For the sec-
0: but for the second one, if you could grab like a smaller or a corner piece, I would really appreciate that, because I didn't get that much pizza.
2: Yeah, I'm vegan now, so actually it doesn't. No, thanks.
0: Okay. That okay. helps me out a lot, actually.
2: Good. Okay. Yeah.
0: Okay. There's waters.
2: Thank you. All right. I'll grab some. Cool. Cool uh thanks so much looking all right. f- looking forward to it we'll Good see luck with you the, hope you enjoy okay. it. all right later yep okay i'm gonna go sit down
0: <laughs> that went pretty well my dude
1: yeah it it looks like it did went- it look like it went well from over there
0: yes oh <laughs> uh, she's still into me i can tell it's just one of those things you can tell one of those animal things
1: I'm not sure it was really like an animal thing. I think she just probably had some questions. Listeners, Timothy is still dressed as his character. The a costume that he commissioned himself with some of the advanced money we got for the script that is mostly just Kevlar body armor and, uh, yeah, a, a weapon that we got from a previous roommate of Timothy's. Oh, correct, it's- correct. I have a, uh, you
0: know, I have a, I have a pistol. I am carrying a pistol, which, ugh, just so many questions and people like, switching sides of the sidewalk uh, as I was walking over here tonight. Um, But yeah, I'm dressed up as my character, the Sentinel, to make a play um, to our producer. Have we even talked that Michael Bay is producing uh, this movie? I don't think we have.
1: Yeah, I guess we buried the lead. We're friends with Michael Bay. Yeah. We hang out with him. We go skinny dipping with businessmen. And uh, it's
0: pretty great. And I, in an effort to kind of put myself out there for the part of the Sentinel, which I want, I've been wearing this costume nonstop for about, um, 12 weeks now. And, uh, yeah, I have this, I have this pistol, which was given us, given to us by, um, our friends with the Illinois militia and Abe, I was actually thinking, let me do a little gun trick here. (laughs) You see that? Um, I was thinking I could like, you know, at the start of like a race when they shoot into the air, I was, I, I I still don't know what kind of bullets these are, but I was thinking I could fire one off just to be like, let's begin.
1: No, 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 Timothy, that's not a good idea. Let's not fire off a gun in a room. We don't know who's upstairs. It's not like a gun like in your times.
0: It's like a, it's, you know, it's not going to be a lot of smoke or anything like, well, maybe a little bit.
1: No, Timothy, I didn't even think about that. We don't want the room smelling like gunpowder. I don't think that's going to set the tone right, okay? I think just, let's just, we don't, let's just assume the gun's like not loaded and let's, Let's even stop the gun tricks, Timothy, because even if that didn't look that safe, it's, it's really, that's not even, that's not even really a trick, Timothy. You're just kind of right. like.
0: All right. Okay. Maybe at the end. I hear where you're coming from. Um. Well, I think we should, we shouldn't delay any more. Eh? We should give the people what they want. Um. We're about to jump into scene one of our screenplay, Metalhead. Anything else we need to set them up with this?
1: this is it this is the table where timothy's gonna do this the stage the screen directions excuse me i'm a screenwriter not a, <laughs> not a playwright right. and uh uh yeah um yeah so that's uh that's it
0: all right folks prepare to be entertained here is scene one from metalhead
3: black he's coming back online that's not that's not possible the camera
0: slowly fades into focus it blinks open and closed we are seeing these voices from someone's perspective the setting becomes clearer interior clandestine facility two figures attached to the voices come into focus they are both wearing all black leather and sunglasses Any less possible than any of this? The POV sits up. He looks around to see a vibrant library. He doesn't realize this yet, but these are all the books from Alexandria, perfectly preserved. Easy, sir. You've been down for a few weeks now.
4: Welcome to the real world.
0: The POV looks around frantically. He's spinning out! The POV finally catches a glimpse of himself in a mirror. We see that it's Abraham Lincoln, 16th President of the United States. He's shirtless and as jacked and tan as he ever was. He notices all sorts of tubes and wires attached to his body. Panicking, he rips them off. Sir, no. You need to rest. Abraham, glad you could join us. Abraham tears away the last of his devices and jumps off the examining table. He stumbles around the room at first, finally getting his footing. He runs toward the door, unable to stop... He smashes through it. He's confused at first, but he keeps running. Interior hallway. Abraham sprints down the hallway, passing lots of impressive people. Dorian Gray, Dr. Hyde, Lava Lady, the Unbelievable Fireboy, John Henry, the Mummy, Paul Bunyan, Xena, Warrior Princess, all heroes we will meet soon. Abraham continues to run down the hall with his easy, natural gait.
3: Voice, two frantically chases him, Mr. President, please. We have more tests. I have to run before you- Let him run! You can't get far,
0: after all. Abraham bursts through the, through door after door with his incredible strength. He sees one room where Dr. Bigfoot is conducting a laboratory experiment. He sees another room that appears to be some sort of bridge, captained by Ferdinand Magellan. Finally, he bursts into a stairwell, which he sprints down. Mr. President! Wait! Abraham reaches the end of the stairs. It's a large metal door. He tries to burst through it with his shoulder, but it won't budge. Frustrated, he slams his metal head against it, and it flies away easily. He steps forward, only to see the earth miles below him. He stops short before falling to his death. The camera zooms out to reveal Abraham standing on the lower observation deck of a giant airship, floating over a gaslit District of Columbia, late 1865. Abraham stares down at the ground something he's never seen from this vantage, as he is joined out on the deck by the fashioner.
4: Welcome, Metalhead, to the group of heroes. Title screen,
0: Metalhead, written and produced by Abraham Lincoln, directed by Michael Bay. Flashback. Exterior night, outside Ford's Theater, Washington, D.C. An old man with a lantern bursts through the doors of the theater to proclaim to the street, Make way! The president has been shot! A, (parentheses) diverse, group of Union soldiers carry the president's jacket and tan body out of the theater. Take him to the Peterson's boarding house, across 10th Street. The upstairs window crashes open as John Wilkes Booth, 26, skinny fat frame who could not even bench 135, jumps onto the street.
4: Over there! Catch him! Catch that pathetic little hard gainer!
0: Booth tries to run but is soon swallowed up by a patriotic group of peaceful protesters who immediately hang him to slowly die. Mary Todd Lincoln, 46, steps out of the theater, assisted by several other ladies, all sobbing uncontrollably.
2: Other than that, the play
4: was kinda good.
0: Interior, Peterson's Boarding House, early morning. Abraham Lincoln, 56, jacked and tan, lies on his deathbed, barely breathing. He is surrounded by his wife, children, and closest cabinet members. His son, Tad, 10, weeps. Tad... You
1: can't die. Do not grieve. Soon, I shall belong to the angels. Mary Todd sobs.
0: Tad cries. There is not a dry eye in the room. Lincoln's heartbeat slows. He sighs. His hand, once folded on his chest, drops to the floor. Music swells. The sun rises through the window, lighting the whole room while Lincoln's body fades to a solemn shade of gray. Time passes. The sun sets. The room empties. Eventually, it is just Mary Todd, who is ushered out of the room by one of her ladies. Lincoln's body is alone in the room. Eventually, it is dressed, wrapped, and prepared for its travel by train back to Springfield. End flashback. Exterior airship, night. Lincoln and the fashioner still stand on the airship. The real Lincoln is shirtless, wearing just tight underwear looking absolutely yoked.
4: So let me get this straight, I'm not dead? On the contrary, you're only now alive. Exterior day.
0: Series of shots. Thousands and thousands of Americans show up at the train's side to say goodbye to their beloved president as he travels across the country to his final resting stop. The crowds are the largest ever. The train passes through beautiful American city after beautiful American city, through wondrous American countryside after wondrous American countryside. Interior. Procession train engine room, night. Two parentheses diverse soldiers, 19 and 20, walk into the train cabin for a status update. The engineer, 36, turns to him.
3: We'll be pulling into Springfield in the morning, delivering the president to his final rest and...
0: One of the, parentheses Diverse Soldiers responds. Uh, yeah, hi. I'm Jeremy, the actor playing the part of Diverse Soldier 1. What exactly does diverse mean? Like, I know what it means, but how am I supposed to act diverse? It's kind of like a weird thing to put into a script. Actually, it's a super weird thing to put into a script. And problematic.
1: But... You know what, though? I, I, I super need the money. Rent is seriously so expensive, so here's the line. <laughs> Thank
0: you, sir! Interior, morgue car, night. The soldier leaves the engine room and marches through the train. He reaches the morgue car, where two other, parenthesis, diverse soldiers are standing as sentinels. The two, parenthesis, diverse soldiers are replacing the existing, parenthesis, diverse soldiers. Once they are alone, they exchange a knowing look. heads to the back of the morgue car and checks the window they begin to unpack their bags to reveal they have a ton of heavy tools exterior train night another train comes charging behind the procession train its engineer is wearing some odd shiny silver clothing and a goofy mask over his eyes he shares a sinister grin interior morgue car night the two fake soldiers remove their stolen valor uniforms to reveal They are also wearing very weird, shiny, silver jogging suits. They then use the tools to detach the morgue car from the procession train. Real, parentheses, diverse soldiers from the procession car notice this. They run over to try to stop it, but unfortunately they are too late. The morgue car now drifts on its own, detached from the procession train in front front and behind of it. Exterior, train, night. That other train then rides up on the side of the morgue car. They reach a track switch where the other train cuts in front of the morgue car. The fake engineer slows his train down as the fake soldiers hurry to attach it. Interior procession train, night. Well I'll be, it's a train heist. The real engineer sounds some sort of train alarm, but his train is on another track. The real soldiers start to shoot over at the other train, but have little effect. Interior morgue car, night. The fake soldiers begin some strange incantation. Dutch, Jim, Bo, Dutch, Jim, Bo. Exterior train, Knight. A third train approaches on a parallel track. It's midnight black. We see that it's driven by a ninja engineer. The third train pulls even with the second train on a parallel track. It is then boarded by an army of authentic feudal Japanese ninjas. Interior other train, Knight. Well, I'll be. It's a second train heist. The ninjas do battle with the fake soldiers, using all sorts of amazing swords. The fake soldiers in weird flashy clothes are vanquished, not before one of them calls for help. A platoon of strange weird losers from the rest of the second train descends onto the morgue car, but not before the ninjas grab Lincoln's body, leaving a replica behind. The replica is really gangly, he's too skinny, it looks like a real rush job he's going to give people the wrong impression that Lincoln had Marfan syndrome. But that's all the ninjas had, apparently, so even though they were really careful about everything else, they really goofed that up. But no one notices the replica isn't real, probably because they were too sad or too moved by Lincoln's last words, or just didn't understand what death does to a body, so it it works. The ninjas then repel out of the second train with Lincoln's real body. One of the ninjas jams the second train's wheel so it crawls to a stop. Real soldiers on horseback then reach the second weird train and arrest all of the fake soldiers. All while the ninjas escape onto their midnight black
1: ninja train into the night. End flashback. And this group of heroes, as you called them? Yes, the X-Men and women
4: of various countries and cultures. Avengers, assembled from all of time and space to be our A-Team. Earth's mightiest heroes. Where all we have is just us, League, of extraordinary gentlemen, and ladies, and intersex trans people as well. What do they call you? Some call me the God of Dreams. I prefer the fashioner.
1: And you gave us our powers?
4: I only guide each on their journey. For you, it was to discover that you have an indestructible head on top of an absolute unit of a body but your head is the superpower, but your body is good too. Each of us gained our powers in our own way. Flashback. Exterior,
0: Woods, 1822. A 13-year-old Abraham Lincoln wanders off into the woods.
3: Abraham, don't wander off too
5: far before bed.
0: This is the scene where Lincoln stumbles upon three marsh witches, and they make his head indestructible in exchange for him going down on them for hours. The producers said it was unappealing and problematic, but we wrote it anyway, and we'll probably try to film it as a deleted scene. End of scene one. (laughs) Abe, that was incredible. Did you see that? They were loving it.
1: I... Cannot believe how well received our screenplay has been thus far. People It's just
0: crackling with energy in the room, man.
1: There was a part there when we really were getting in the weeds with the second train heist descriptions right. where I thought right. hmm, are, are we telling whether we're showing here are we are is this normal for a screenplay to have this much stage direction, street, street right. screen direction? And uh no, I think they were totally into it. I think they got it. Yeah. I think they got the the whole the whole gist. Um there was there was one thing I did want to talk about. Um, why at the end the,
0: did it say... Uh, why, why did it say this script was written by Abraham Lincoln and not Abraham Lincoln and Tim Dunn?
1: Oh, yeah. I I kind of even forgot about that. You know, MB and I were talking. That's Michael Bay. and No, I know. I know who Michael Bay is. We just thought that the story would be better if it was coming from, you know, one of these you know, listen to voices is kind of like a new phrase everyone's using in, in, in Hollywood. It's the way to be inclusive is to tell people, let people tell their own stories. And this is kind of like, you know, my story. And, yeah, I didn't mention that I've been voicing the, the Metalhead part, Um, you know, just, you know, because it's it's kind of just based on him. So I think, I think that uh, that's kind of just all it was really coming from. And it was, you know, you were so busy with your costume and then, like, all the stuff with the GNC powders and stuff, I think, you know. Sure.
0: Yeah, I mean, but I'm still, like, I'm still one of the writers of this project.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You're going to get a screenplay credit. Okay. You're going to get a story by credit. Okay, gotcha. I mean, I
0: get that it is your story, for you know, generally speaking, so.
1: Yeah, 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 that's all. That's all, I think, they're just trying to make sure people know that this was, like, a really inclusive, inclusive thing. I mean, that's kind of the whole point of the title title screen there, so, yeah.
0: Sure, I get that. Sorry, it's just one of those (laughs) Hollywood things I worry about. Anyways, um... Big scene coming up here. This is uh, honestly haven't looked at this scene in a while. You've done a few drafts on it. I'm excited to see what actually like crystallized and what finalized. But this is where the sentinel is like introduced.
1: Yeah, yeah. This is the sentinel's introduction. You know, it's all still kind of up in the air. Once we get things back from the the sure after this reading and after the uh, the audience, so sees it. The test audience. So yeah, but yeah, no big deal. Don't even worry about it really. But yeah, I'm excited oh i'm a little worried about (laughs) wearing the costume and everything
0: so uh yeah i'm excited uh the readers are about to meet the co-lead of the movie (laughs) so all right folks here we go you're about to listen to scene two of metalhead Metalhead headbutts down the door to the fashioner's office. He's alive? The fashioner continues working at his desk, unfazed.
4: Many people are alive, Metalhead. You'll have to be more specific.
0: Metalhead throws the fashioner's desk across the room, crumbling it. Jefferson Davis. The fashioner sighs. He's known this
4: conversation was coming. (sighs) Mr. Davis is not the same man you once knew. He's an influential entrepreneur and philanthropist, that is dedicating his life to protect mankind. He's a monster. He is the reason you and the rest of the group of heroes exist. Metalhead steps back with a look of horror. What have you done? Who do you think funds our experiments, our research? Cutting-edge technology, equipment, and surveillance have a price, and I believe collaborating with Jefferson Davis is a price worth paying. You see, it all started when he and I... Some
0: guy, late, parentheses very late, 30s, enters the room. He is pushing a trash can that looks disgusting, even for a trash can. Like trash is slopping out of the sides of the trash can and it hits the guy on the way down in a way that you can tell the guy just stinks. The guy is also hunched over the trash can as he pushes it in in a way that you can tell the fumes from the trash go up and hit the guy's clothes and face. He smiles an unconfident smile that screams, like me, like me, unconvincingly. The man also trips, but tries to play it off like he didn't, fooling no one. He fucking sucks. This man is named... The the Sentinel. Hey, boss, do you have any trash? Get the fuck out of here,
4: Sentinel!
0: You got it, boss. The Sentinel takes his stinky garbage can and leaves the room. He fucking sucks. Who was that?
4: Ugh. An absolute fucking loser that cleans out the trash and toilets here in the office. His name is The Sentinel. And he straight up fucking sucks. Don't worry about him.
1: Oh. So it's not like an alter ego where he's actually trying to make it seem like he's harmless, but he's actually- No,
4: no, no, no. There's no alter ego. He's just The Sentinel. And he sucks. He takes a garbage can around from room to room and he sings for some reason while he does it. But he stinks. Because he's around garbage all the time. And we don't like him. Gotcha. In fact, we actually shoot him with paintballs sometimes. Just to maintain our accuracy. And he doesn't do shit about it. So how much he sucks.
1: I see. But back to Jefferson Davis. There's no way I can. Oh, you know what? We
4: actually tried to give the Sentinel superpowers once. We did like a Captain America machine kind of thing. To make him stronger. And he came out smaller than he went in. That's how much he sucks. Okay... And let me tell you, it didn't help him downstairs at all. Not one bit. Although, if you subtract from zero to begin with, it's only going to get smaller.
0: The fashioner lights up a cigar.
4: God, I hate the Sentinel. Everyone does. Good people, bad people, we all hate him. We all hate him, Metalhead. The fashioner blows a smoke ring. Where were we?
1: I can't allow you to work with Davis anymore. That's not up
4: to you! As your commanding officer, I order you to halt any and all operations against Davis.
1: I'm afraid that's not going to work for me, sir. Consider this my resignation.
0: Metalhead heads for the door.
1: Metalhead,
4: you don't know what you're doing. He's too powerful for any of us.
1: Some group of heroes you are.
0: Metalhead walks out of the fashioner's office. He passes by the Sentinel who looks like
1: shit. Oh god, He does stink. The Sentinel fucking sucks. End of scene two. Wow, that was incredible. We got some huge laughs in that scene. That was excellent. I didn't even think our script was going to be that funny. I thought it was like we had some good quips, but I didn't know if we had like actual like laugh out loud. The whole theater is just clapping and laughing, and I think we're going to have some huge, huge... Laughs. I, I think this is a very memeable, memeable movie too. I think that's gonna really last. There's a lot of I think shots I can even see here where people are gonna be posting, you know, screenshots and then, you know, with little text and say, like, yep, this is me on my morning commute. And you know, like I think it's I think this is just awesome. I'm so thrilled. It's you all the artists out there listening, you've gotta get your work out in front of people right away so you can get this immediate immediate feedback, gratification. It's it's just makes all the writing all of it worth it. I it was incredible. What do you think, Timothy? What? What was that? That was the that was the, that was the seaweed. We met the sentinel, but we all... What did you do to the sentinel, Timothy? I to me,
0: Abe. I'm the sentinel. Look at me. I'm the sentinel, and you
1: ruined it. You ruined it. No, I didn't. I didn't ruin it. I, I, that, that's, the, that's the character, Timothy. All those. Th- you
0: turned him into a joke, Timothy.
1: He, he's not. Why? Why?
0: Okay. Why does the Sentinel push a trash can around? We never talked about that.
1: Well, we talked about making this true to our own experiences, and that is a job that you had. You were at a startup office, and you were picking up trash cleaning toilets and singing. singing yeah, music I didn't before. want
0: to use that part of my life in the Sentinel. Okay.
1: What about the job you had where you let veterans shoot you with paintball guns after you got back from the cruise ship improv gig? Okay, again. Another job that didn't need to be part
0: of this screenplay. I I I'm losing my mind. I like you've ruined my life. This was everything I had. Timothy. I'm the Sentinel! Timothy
1: I'm the Sentinel. No, you're an, you're a, you're a screenwriter in Los Angeles, you're an actor in Los Angeles, you're a wonderful reader of 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 screen directions. No, don't say that. Don't
0: say that. That I read the the you know, screenwriting notes or whatever. Good. That's just something people say to losers. Timothy, okay.
1: The other night I was watching me myself and Irene on the FX app. And no one would say that Jim Carrey was the was the joke of the movie. He's he's just playing a part. You're just playing a part in this, Timothy. That's it. That's all. You're a part, and it's great. The audience really liked it. And the fashioners lines about how the, the Sensitive sucked, I think that really hit. But No, it, I didn't like that. I not like Why does he have to smell like trash too? We don't know. That's just what the faster. That's maybe maybe that's just what the faster things. Oh wait, no, we did have that in the screen directions. Yeah. But what was
0: that thing about the Captain America procedure not helping my wiener at all?
1: I think it was just meant to show that we are aware that we are in a saturated market filled with lots of other superhero <gasps> contents, and we are setting ourselves apart from it because we are allowed to comment on it, Timothy. That's all. So I wouldn't. It's not true. I mean, I'm sure if there was a, if there was a, a Captain America process in real life. It would help your wiener. I don't I don't need help. Well that's Kay? that's good then. I'm glad you don't need help.
0: You know what I you know what I keep thinking of, babe? I read a little study a few months back, after we got the gun from the Illinois militia. It was about when someone holds a gun. Do they inherently become more aggressive just by the act of holding a gun? And you know what? I'm feeling a little aggressive right now. I'm feeling kind of aggressive towards you, okay? Look, I'm not a violent person. There's a part of me that wants to shoot you, Abe, because you've ruined my life. You made me a smelly trash character in front of Lisa, in front of all of those people. And doing these gun tricks is the only thing that's taking the stress off.
1: Hey, you're gonna hit me back for the pizzas, right? Because I up fronted the three of them, and I think that's not enough. So I'm gonna order, I'm gonna order like four or five more medium.
0: Were pieces. you listening to anything I just said? Yes,
1: the gun tricks—they make you feel good, and I'm glad you found something, Timothy. You've made a lot of friends <sighs> at the Man's Chinese Theater when you were taking photos. It's just, I'm glad. Okay, it's
0: doing. Okay, wow. You know what, Abe? I was feeling a little guilty about some of the edits I had for Scene Three, but now I'm pretty excited for you to hear
4: them.
1: Okay, yeah, let's get back to the screenplay. Listeners, uh, this has been excellent. Um, If you're ever doing a screenplay reading, just keep in mind that your people are going to be hungry, so you got to get a lot of pizzas. We way undershot it with the three mediums, so that's just a little insider tip. And we'll get back to the script. I am upset with you, but just to piggyback on that point you think medium
0: you thinking like oh it's not too much but it's it's basically a small at this point like go large it's nothing if you're not getting a large all right asshole scene three here it is for your listening pleasure audience <laughs> guess what i think you're gonna like it Metalhead and the Whisper take shelter in
1: Metalhead's hideout behind a barricaded door, using their body weight to keep it shut. That's not going to hold Dutch Jimbo out for long. He'll break down these doors to prove that he's not a racist and that he just likes history.
2: Isn't there something you can do to stop him?
1: I don't think so, Whisper. People think I'm cool and strong, but I'm actually not that cool and strong. I'm actually pretty weak.
2: Yeah, I see that now.
1: The door rattles behind them.
2: Oh, President Metalhead. I never thought this would be how we'd die.
1: I know. I wish I could have gotten to know you better, Whisper.
2: I feel the same way.
1: Metalhead and the Whisper kiss. Wow. Huh. What?
2: Nothing. Nothing. No, what? That... Just... That was a really bad kiss. It was? Yeah, it was unconfident and inexperienced. Like kissing someone that clearly doesn't kiss very often. Oh. Yeah, which is weird, because I assumed you'd be better at it.
1: Yeah, people think that too, but I'm not. I'm bad at kissing. Dutch Jimbo smashes through the barricade. I just love history. Oh no. Dutch Jimbo got through the barricade. Protect me,
0: Whisper. President Metalhead cowers behind the Whisper, hoping Dutch Jimbo will kill her and leave him alone, mistaking him for a dead eunuch.
2: But Metalhead, who will protect me?
0: A strong bass baritone voice responds out of the darkness. I will. The Sentinel theme plays. The Sentinel steps into Metalhead's shelter. He wears the Sentinel's cuirass, which is stronger than Metalhead's head, and brandishes the Sentinel Sword of Darkness, which packs more power than Metalhead's punch.
2: (gasps) The Sentinel!
0: Dutch Jimbo, your days of tyranny and leaving unfair podcast reviews have come to an end. I'm not racist! No one said you were, and that's a weird way to open a podcast review, so you're going down. Dutch Jimbo lunges at the Sentinel, but the Sentinel does a front flip, taking the Sword of Darkness out of his sheath. as he does so, scoring a hit on Jimbo's shoulder. Dutch Jimbo retaliates by throwing his mightiest punch at the Sentinel, who catches it in one hand, smiles, and kicks him to the ground. Meanwhile, Metalhead has mid-fight diarrhea.
2: Oh god, what is that smell?
1: Sorry, sorry, I'm just such a coward. Dutch Jimbo lunges for the Sword of Darkness,
3: grabbing the handle. The Sentinel and Dutch Jimbo wrestle over control of the sword. You fight strong unlike Metalhead. The
0: Sentinel kicks Dutch Jimbo away from him. Thanks. And when it comes to your fighting style, I give it. The Sentinel stabs the Sword of Darkness into Dutch Jimbo's chest. One star.
1: The Sentinel makes his way over to the Whisper and Metalhead. Are you two alright?
2: We're okay, thanks to you.
1: Yeah, I hope to be as strong as you one day, Sentinel. Well, keep at it, Metalhead. You probably won't ever be as good at fighting as me,
0: but there's no reason not to try. A car horn honks.
2: Hey, who's in that limousine that just pulled up?
0: Is that Harvey Weinstein? Harvey Weinstein pulls up to the hideout in a limousine and yells out the window. Hey,
3: Metalhead, my best friend. Let's get out of here and keep working on
1: creative projects together. Sorry, guys, I gotta go. That's my best friend. Metalhead gets in the limo.
2: Wow, what a terrible person.
1: Yeah,
0: and Harvey Weinstein is bad, too. The Whisper and the Sentinel passionately kiss, and the Whisper reacts to the kiss in a way that indicates it's way better than Metalhead's. End of scene three.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Well, that one hit
0: in the room. Got a lot of good laughs on that one, too, and a lot of, like, awe. Awe of the Sentinel and how he's supposed to be. So I'm feeling good about scene three at this point. How are you feeling, it?
1: Yeah, laugh it up, I guess. Really, really, <laughs> really snuck those. You know, Timothy, when I rewrote the scene, I was doing it from artistic choice to make a lot of comedy and add that actual script because that's what I was lacking. You clearly were just petty and just needed to take out your strange, unresolved, unfounded issues you have with me. And you know what? It got some laughs to the room, but... That's that's good. I'm glad everyone's having a good time. I think the actors are now very confused as to what's going on because we have two scenes that are clearly very meta and are filled with even more inside jokes. I think there's a lot of usable stuff in there. Actually, you know, I think oh, a lot uh,
0: of usable stuff. Like the part where you had mid fight diarrhea, I thought was really good. I thought um, okay, all right. The part where you use Lisa's character's uh, bullet shield, I thought there was like a lot of really good stuff in that scene.
1: I think we did establish Dutch Jimbo, You know, his his threats and. Um, mm-hmm. I think there's something to the whole, like, talisman of the virginity that we could possibly lean on. I, oh, I,
0: one other thing. Dutch Jimbo, uh, uh, former uh, podcast, uh, former reviewer of our podcast uh, who left a two-star review, um, who started out by saying, um, I'm not racist, I just love history. But
1: was that the quote? He also said, if you're looking for intellect, don't look here. The laughs, <laughs> are... Or look at us
0: now, Dutch Jimbo. <laughs> yeah,
1: I think we've proved yeah. with that seen how much intellect we have right yeah timothy all right you know i it's it's you you know you're very lucky that we have a room filled with professionals here because sne- putting putting it into a script like that it's just it's just not how it's done in this town all right so you know i i just want to say uh that's the last straw i i don't think we, i don't think i'm unfortunately i'm not going to be able to work with you anymore i think we should oh. just
0: Oh no, you're not gonna be able to work with me. Oh well, you know what? Why would I ever work with you after what you did in Scene Two?
1: What I did in Scene Two was bring joy to the audience. You made me a laughing stock. I made the character a laughing stock, which he was. He's called the Sentinel, but you make him go around all over the place. Sentinels stay put. He also, why is he? Why is he dressed like a, 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 some sort of like ninja with body armor? He has a sword and a gun. You never, you've never sorted this out, Timothy. Yeah, you know what? I- I I didn't intend on making scene three as funny as it
0: was making you a joke, but I, I made it, like, really serious about who I think you are as the person of Metalhead. And then you watch, like, Fargo, and it's like, it's not supposed to be funny, but these people's lives are so sad that you can't help but laugh, you know? Oh,
1: yeah, it was really well done, Timothy, with, oh, there's my best friend Harvey Weinstein. Let's keep <laughs> making stuff together or whatever. Yeah, really, you put a lot of thought to that, Timothy. Yeah, for right. sure. You know
0: what? You know, I... I don't really see a future working with you either, so let's just go finish this out. Let's do scene four, and we'll call it there.
1: Yeah, we will call it there, and you know what? Yeah, that's fine because I'm tired of carrying you around, Timothy. All right, it's just been <sighs> you've been a huge drag this whole process, and I'm sorry you didn't hit it off with MB the way I did. He's actually really cool, and I I'm sorry you you don't you don't see that. I I'm I'm sorry, but I have gone in thousands and thousands
0: of dollars worth of debt since I met you okay I lost my girlfriend I lost so much money I lost my apartment I had to live at the Scientology
1: Center because of you yeah and you know what else also happened you made a ton of money because you figured out that you were really good at one person improv because you did all those shows that wouldn't have happened had I not been the only audience member for okay. your improvised one-man Indiana Jones. So you got to do all those shows on OnlyFans. Then, yeah, you moved to the Scientology Center. You also got to fly on John Travolta's jet because of me. You got to meet so many ex-presidents because of me. You got to have a very, very successful podcast because of me, Timothy. So before you start, you know, throwing stones, maybe just maybe just appreciate what it is you have because it's not going to be with you for much longer. Okay.
3: Well.
0: Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to order six more medium pizzas. And then we're going to treat the audience to hearing. I
1: haven't done any edits to this one, by the way. Have you? No, I haven't because I'm a professional. Okay. I don't sneak it. Yeah, yeah, I'm a professional too. Okay, so. A professional does a sneak it. edits the night before to make some goofy point.
0: Okay, so the audience are going to hear scene four, the original scene four. No one has touched it
1: so here is the last collaboration between tim dunn and abraham lincoln you got something to say yeah one more thing we're even for the pizzas because i've ordered six medium pizzas so now if you order six medium pizzas then we're even we both ordered the same amount of medium pizzas
0: fine all right here we go scene four Jefferson Davis pilots his mech through the ruins of the
3: Hall of Champions. A visible force field can be seen around him. Our world will no longer be defined by the actions of so-called heroes. A new era will rise from the ashes. An era under my control. The Sentinel and the Whisper appear from behind a destroyed statue.
0: The Sentinel throws a kunai at Davis. It bounces off his force field. Sentinel! Whisper! That's right, Jefferson Davis. Your tyranny ends here and now. Why don't you come down from that monstrosity and fight us like a real man?
3: Oh, I don't think so. You see, this magic force field protects me against any of your attacks. And I know you'll never be able to break through it because the only thing that can...
0: Jefferson Davis aims his railgun mech arm at the Sentinel. ...is a virgin. Davis fires his railgun The sentinel dodges out of the way of the railgun Looking dope as fuck as he does it He and the Whisper take cover again Behind more ruins
2: Damn, a force field that blocks The attacks of anyone that's not a virgin
0: There's no Way I'll ever be able To get through that I mean, not even close, you know Right I mean, you won't either, but I definitely won't
2: Sure, do you think we should cut around and Because I'm on the to...
0: road a lot, you know, and I travel from town to town doing good. And let me tell you, I do all right for myself.
2: Yeah, Sentinel, I, I don't care whether or not- Yeah,
0: there's no way I'm getting through that thing.
2: But there has to be a way! Exterior, Capitol, Night.
0: Smolders rise from the near ruins of the capital. Parentheses, diverse Union soldiers begin to take stock of their victory good, honest denizens of the district dust themselves off, assess the damage to their beloved city, but feel grateful that they are still alive, in the greatest, freest nation on God's good earth. The citizens and soldiers spot the group of heroes standing, shining on the hill. They give them a standing ovation. Just then, Metalhead spots Jefferson Davis and the rest of the Confeticons escaping from the rubble of a destroyed building in the distance and scurrying like rats onto the group of heroes' own airship.
3: Hurry! We'll crash their own ship into the capital. If we can't rule, then no one can! Metalhead starts after them.
2: No, Metalhead, you can't! You're too injured!
1: Jefferson Davis must be stopped, no matter the cost. Stirring music plays.
0: Metalhead summons his strength and sprints off toward the airship. As the airship gains speed, Metalhead scales a building and jumps from it onto the airship. Exterior, top of the airship, night. Metalhead slams onto the top of the airship, super athletically. He quickly fires his laser to dispose of two goon Confeticons before
3: setting his sights on the lone Jefferson Davis. One shall stand, one shall fall. Why throw away your life so recklessly?
1: That's a question you should ask yourself, Davis
3: how about you drop the laser cannon metalhead unless you're too scared to fight me
1: like a real man metalhead tosses the laser cannon off the airship fine but remember i suspended habeas corpus this is the only trial you'll get
3: you won't have to worry about me pleading the fifth there's another two pages of clever legal banter we'll film all of
0: these and then let test audiences decide which ones we will use Exterior, capital, Knight.
3: I've got to help Metalhead.
4: Stay away, youngster. That's Metalhead's
0: fight. The Sentinel hops onto Iron Horse, half-man, half-train hero, and rides off toward the airship. Exterior, airship, roof, Knight. There is a ton of great hand-to-hand combat happening between Jefferson Davis and Metalhead. It's like John Wick-level combat. There are some incredible jumps, too. Just great stuff happening. Eventually, Metalhead breaks off a part of Davis's mech suit, but Davis grabs it and stabs Metalhead in the gut.
3: Metalhead grimaces, but fights on. No more, Metalhead! Grant
1: me mercy, I beg you! You, who are without mercy, now beg for it? I thought you were made of Cerner stuff. Jefferson Davis reaches for a pistol
0: behind his back. Exterior, Capital Knight. Ironside is almost out of runway beneath the airship. No, you don't, Jefferson Davis. He's got a gun. Quick, Ironside, it's time to level up. Ironside ramps up the side of the Washington
3: Monument, giving them incredible airtime. The Sentinel hops off and flies toward the airship. Maybe you're ready to make one last compromise. This time, with your life! Jefferson Davis fires the pistol at Metalhead.
0: Slow motion. The bullet leaves the gun. Metalhead lowers his head, ready to absorb the impact with his indestructible head, when the Sentinel flies in at the last second and absorbs the bullet. The Sentinel! No! The Sentinel lays crumpled on the ground, likely dead. Jefferson Davis fires again, but is out of bullets. Metalhead chases him down. They fight again. The fight is really cool, like 300 Rise of an Empire-level stuff. As Metalhead is about to finish Jefferson Davis off, the airship sputters and starts
3: to spin down toward the White House. Face it, Metalhead! Democracy will never work. People are born to follow, not lead. Metalhead ties Jefferson Davis to the airship. What are you...
1: what are you doing? Forming a more perfect union.
0: Metalhead grabs the limp body of the Sentinel and drops into the bridge of the airship. He sets the airship on a new path. Then he uses one of the cool ropes the Sentinel had on his actually cool costume. Uh, to repel down to the earth. The airship sails off into Chesapeake Bay, Jefferson Davis screaming as it explodes and crashes into the Atlantic. Exterior shores, night. Metalhead unfolds the Sentinel's body onto the beach as the airship continues to explode over his shoulder, like giant multicolored fireworks that look really cool.
1: My dear friend, sleep
0: well. The Sentinel starts to cough and stir. Suddenly, he opens his eyes. sentinel (coughs) Oh, wow. Glad I didn't miss the 4th of July. This is a reference to the fireworks that are exploding from the airship. We have another page of quips we will film and try with the test audience. How? The Sentinel reaches into his pocket, where the bullet hit him, and reveals the condom never used. I guess I could have gotten through that force field after all. (laughs) The two laugh and laugh. We fade to black with these two friends laughing on the beach. Then there's three cool post-credit scenes. End of scene four. Wow. Yeah. That uh, look, I know. I know it, it's been difficult during the read through, just because you know I, I got kind of upset, and then you got upset. But it is really incredible what what we can do as a, as a screenwriting team. That was that was an amazing end to to that screenplay.
1: Yeah, I I I can't believe we we created something that good. The, the both of us, we both did, Timothy. We, yes, yeah. We wouldn't have. Neither of us would be here without the other, and I'm really grateful that our our souls were intertwined. I, I don't tell you that enough because I, I don't honestly know what I would be doing if this wasn't wasn't what I, I was doing. Thank you, Abe. That's um.
0: That's so nice, and I just want to say about. No, I want to say something. No, no, no. Let me see, let me go for about scene three. I I was jealous of you and and Michael Bay, and um, I just I was worried that once this is all over, you're gonna like become really successful and just like leave me behind, and then I'm not gonna have anybody or anything out here, and I'm I'm just gonna be me alone, pathetic.
1: No, Timothy, that's absolutely not what's gonna happen. I never wanted to leave you behind. I I I, would, I wish we could still work together. I, I'm sorry for what I said, and, and for scene two, I should have ran it by you. Okay, look, I, I just, I got, I just, I got worried. You got so into the sensal, I, I was just kind of like, wanted us just to f- finish this script, and, and yeah, I can see it was selfish because it was the script about about me, and I, uh, I, I don't know, I, 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 I should have seen that, that wasn't the way to go about. it. I should have told you about about it, the the edits I made, and. I'm sorry. I'm sorry oh, about it.
0: Thanks, man. Thanks. I, I appreciate that. Um And you know, it's just kinda sad because I'm gonna I'm gonna really I'm gonna miss you, man. I mean there were times during the pandemic there when we were like hunkered down where you were like the only person I talked to for like a long time and you didn't quite take the quarantine stuff seriously enough. I'm not mad about that, you know, I'm still uh, uh you were playing pickup basketball games uh without a mask but none of that matters right now you know i'm just what i'm saying is your friendship was very important to me this entire time and um i'm gonna miss you
1: your friendship timothy to me was the greatest treasure i've ever ever had and i've had four sons oh
0: that's that's so sweet um kind of looks like everyone um shuffling out um, oh looks like Lisa's kind of hitting it off with one of the other readers looks like they're going to grab a drink or something like that maybe, huh. I'll, maybe I'll go head out and hang out with them or something You know.
1: <laughs> yeah 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 Timothy uh, look uh, I know we have to wrap up the podcast because we're going to be too famous now but if, if you want um, I'd love to still work with you I'd, l- I'd love to write the Sentinel screenplay
0: Oh my God, am I? Nothing would make me happier. (laughs) Truly, I like on the verge of tears here. Can I, um, buddy, I I'm gonna miss this podcast and uh, I'm gonna miss our listeners. You've all been incredible. Thank you for joining us on this journey. Um, you know, I feel like. We learned a lot about ourselves, and, you know, I guess I might have said in the early days, like, our country or politics. Not really. We mostly just learned about ourselves. Yeah, how to be great screenwriters and and great, great men, just great people is what we've learned ultimately.
1: Timothy, I can state plainly that you were the greatest man I ever met. And the amount of hardship and adversity that you overcame so brilliantly... To make something of yourself, I I am just so impressed with you. This this absolutely has to be your destiny.
0: Abe, I appreciate that. I, I think the same of you, and I, I never would have made it here without your wisdom and your friendship. So folks, I think that's gonna do it for us here at No uh,
1: Not Yet. Bring what, it. What Abe
0: A a hug? I'd
1: love a hug, Abe.
0: Come here. Oh <laughs> Smacked you there with the gun <laughs> goodness. Let me get this out. Maybe one last uh gun trick for the road, you know?
4: <laughs> oh but Oh, oh! <laughs> Abe Abe No 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 no
3: Abe Abe
0: What are you what are you doing, Abe no come on come on sit up, sit up no come on
3: No Come on, come on, get up, get up, get up, come on. No, 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 no. I I uh I gotta get out of here. I gotta go, I can't I can't be here. I gotta go. I I, God, I gotta
0: go. I'm so sorry. I
3: gotta go
5: History. Politics. Show business. Murder. For six years, Abraham Lincoln and Tim Dunn hosted a podcast exploring modern life, achieving a level of podcasting success that can be described as, you know, fine. Then, in October 2022, Abraham Lincoln was mysteriously shot in the head again. The murder happened after a reading of Abe and Tim's screenplay, which one participant described as full of inside jokes from a podcast I don't listen to. So what did happen on the night of the ill-fated table reading? Did Tim Dunn murder his longtime co-host and writing partner? What happens when you shoot someone that's already dead? Why was the podcast rarely 15 minutes? I'm Eleanor Louise Beauchamp, and we'll answer all that and more on the next season of my true crime podcast, Terror in Tinseltown, The Assassination Proclamation.